You Can't Spell Inclusion Without a D, the podcast that explores the power of inclusion and why disability is an important part of the workplace diversity and inclusion conversation. Produced by the Ontario Disability Employment Network, with your hosts, Jeanette Campbell and Dean Askin. Hello there. I'm curious, kind of wondering something. What do you think of when you hear the words assistive technology or AT as it's known for short? Does the latest high-tech gadget come to mind first? Well, let me put it to you this way. Maybe you're listening to this episode right now on your smartphone, on a podcast app with your earbuds in while you're out for a walk or run. It's a hot day and your eyeglasses keep fogging up. The trail's busy, you like to keep a brisk pace, so you've just dodged around the lady walking slowly with her cane. Hi, I'm Dean Askin, and well, you get the picture. Right, all those things are AT. The World Health Organization notes, assistive technology is an umbrella term. Hi, I'm Jeanette Campbell, and there are many things like texting that have become commonplace, things that we take for granted that were developed originally as an aid for people who have a disability. Globally, according to figures from the WHO, right now there are 2.5 billion people who need one or more AT products to help them navigate their daily lives. And with the population aging, that number is expected to rise. Yeah, Dean, by 2050, the WHO, WHO, says there'll be over 3.5 billion people needing one or more pieces of assistive technology to help them function and succeed in their daily lives. We use AT every day, at work and at home, without necessarily thinking about what we're using as assistive technology. So on this episode of You Can't Spell Inclusion Without a D, well, we're going to get you thinking more consciously about AT. The WHO has its definition of AT. We'll find out how our three guests define it. How important is your mindset about assistive technology? We'll look at that question too. And we'll get some insights on the state of AT in 2023 and what exciting things are ahead. So to help us understand what's happening with assistive technology, we're joined by Kim Neal, David Baines, and Chad Noonan. Kim is the co-founder of Distinctability and is a neuro-inclusive employment and assistive technology consultant. She's joined us from Liverpool, Nova Scotia. And from Milton Keynes over in Buckhamshire, UK, David Beans. He's an accessibility, assistive technology, inclusion and universal design consultant who consults internationally. And from Brockville, Ontario, we're joined by Chad Noonan. He's the Corporate Engagement Specialist at Career Services of Brockville. Chad is also the Marketing Outreach Coordinator of VJob Ready. That's a piece of virtual reality employment training technology developed by Career Services of Brockville. Kim Neal, David Baines, and Chad Noonan, it's great to have you all here to share your insights on AT. Welcome to You Can't Spell Inclusion Without a D. Thank you. Great to be here, Dean. Thank you. Thank you, Jeanette. Thanks, Dean. Looking forward to the conversation. So... I want to throw the first question out there and I want to ask this, you know, I was attending a webinar earlier this year, I think it was in February, and one of the presenters was uh, an EY assistive technology consultant. And he said, it's important to remember that AT is basically anything that helps somebody do their job easier. 
Now, I mean, we live in this high-tech age and rapidly advancing technology. So I'm wondering, you know, when most people hear the words assistive technology, do you think they automatically think something high-tech? I mean, how do you all define it? Kim? Sure. I, I, I think I, I would totally agree with you. I think people automatically, in, in my experience, people automatically go to that place of, you know, you have to be really tech savvy and it has to be something complex. You need to be a coder. But in actuality, low tech is, is everywhere. It's in everything that we use. So from the pens that we use to the ergonomic chairs that we sit in, um, they're all human powered or human designed through the use of technology. However, they're not high tech. So in reality, and the other piece of that, just, just to jump ahead, the term assistive technology is really interesting because people always put assistive in front of it when it relates to people with disabilities. In actuality, we're all using technology as a tool around us every single day in every single function we do, whether it's in work or in life. So um, a really cool piece of low tech that technology that, that I've seen is actually a, a device called Ruggy, um, and it helps with motivation. And what it is, is for the people that are, are, are actively snoozers. So it's a mat. And it, when it sets your alarm or your alarm goes off in the morning, you actually have to get out of bed and stand on it with your two feet to turn your, your, your alarm off. So, and you can program it with voices and whatnot, but that's a cool piece of kind of medium, medium tech technology. But I think uh, you don't need to be high tech to incorporate technology that's around us every day. And we're all using it. I, I, I think lots of people, when they talk about assistive technology, they think about things like wheelchairs or orthotics or prosthetics. And these are, are things that have been around for ages. Our, our spectacles are assistive technology for some, uh, hearing aids and so on. So I want to make a distinction, first of all, between, no, it's not high-tech, low-tech, but there are traditional forms of assistive technology and there's digital assistive technologies. Uh, and many, when we, when we talk about high-tech, often talking about digital AT. I also think the guy from EY, how can I put this? He's talking rubbish. Um, what the point is, I want to make a really big distinction again. We've got assistive technology, which is designed for people with disabilities. And we have accessible technologies that are designed to be inclusive of people with disabilities. Those are not the same thing. They are not. The whole process of development and design is different. And if we don't understand that there is a distinction to be made between the two, and if we don't understand that one builds upon the other and one supports the other, then we really don't understand the nature of the relationships in all the technologies that we use, designed for and inclusive of. Really important concepts. At Career Services, we think uh, we've been using assisted devices technology for, for years and helping people with their employment and their employment goals. And we only more recently got into um, using higher tech, using VR, incorporating AI, uh, more and more. And that's just in the past six months or so into people's workplace. But for us, you know, it's always been something as simple as uh, a device we use is somebody's working in administrative, uh, getting a device that'd be to, to remove staples easier um, from pieces of paper, uh, you know, a dustpan that's that's easier for somebody with a disability to use. Those devices are a lot more common th than we think. And that's something that we use um, every single day. Our, our VR and, and, and stuff like that kind of is this uh, new wave of pushing it forward. But uh, 
uh, it's nice when you're when you're talking to an employer and they think of these devices and these things that are that are huge and, and high tech. You know, when you're talking about an assistive device to help get somebody um, a job to help move a job seeker forward, but sometimes it's it's as simple as uh, a, a dustpan or or something like that that can that can help them. Um, also, Kim, that device that that can help you get up in the morning is something I really need. So I'm going to look into that one. I hear you. Mine's on order. <laughs> and I'm thinking I could really use that as well. I wrote I wrote a little note of it that and it's it's interesting because Dean and I were just doing a podcast um, the other day and one of the people that was was being interviewed is a model um, and she was just featured in the Lancome L'Oreal uh, uh, campaign about Hapta which is assistive, an assistive technology that's been designed by L'Oreal to support people to, or to support people to put on um, some types of makeup. So I think it started with lipstick and um, now it's moved to another application. You can put on it for things like foundation and they're actually designing something now that's about to be released that uh, helps you to do your eyebrows to make those, you know, I don't think we're back to Brooke Shields eyebrows yet, but to get that sort of look and specifically designed where it learns your body tremors and your hand movements and it's able to adapt and and adjust and you can attach all sorts of different any type of lipstick or tube or anything like that to it so really interesting in this conversation thinking about oh there's there's these kinds of differences so how would you describe the state of AT and the development of AT in 2023 um Chad I'll start with you yeah I think for me as somebody who's talking to employers every day about AT and about job seekers and what they need and how they need to be supportive. I think it's just easier to talk about. And, and I attribute that to the pandemic. And I think of something so simple as the QR code. You know, a QR code pre-pandemic, most people will be like, what is this? I don't want to get out my phone for this. This is a pain. But now it's something that we've all used and then we've kind of had to push it forward. So there's a bunch of um, items and, and devices and simple things like a QR code um, has made it more accessible. And that's something that we're using more here at Career Services to help people in different ways and different aspects in their job. Um, so I kind of feel like that the pandemic has helped uh, for myself and individually uh, been able to open that conversation more with employers. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd add to that. I mean, I always say that the biggest myth in assistive and accessible technology is that if you build it, they will come. And I blame Kevin Costner for a lot of things, but particularly this one. Um, and the reason for that is the technology is there. There is a stacks of technology to support people with disabilities or without disabilities to do all sorts of um, parts of their daily life. You know, a great example, you talked about you know, needing a, an adapted um, uh, 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 broom for the, the floor, dustpan. And you know, you, you, we've got to adapt to one. It's an innovative technology. It's like a Roomba. It's a robotic vacuum cleaner. Person with disability presses two buttons and lets the vacuum cleaner get on with cleaning the floor. Great. So the technology is there. What isn't there is the ecosystem around it. The different things that need to be in place to create fertile territory for those technologies to take root. 
So that's everything from awareness to matching people to technology, to training, to provision and cost and funding, research and development, technical support. All of these are part of an ecosystem. The technology is not the biggest barrier. Awareness isn't even the biggest barrier, but the support structures around that technology have to be thought about in a very systematic way if we're going to have the success from the technology that's available to us. Yeah, and to piggyback on, on what both David and uh, Chad have said, I think it's we always, when we're out and talking with employers or talking with support agencies we're, or individuals saying, you know, it's not about the technology as a tool, it's the people around it. It's, it's the person and it's the person themselves that have to want to use it and want to learn how to use it and or the support teams around it, having the awareness and the understanding of what's out there that they can, you know, integrate these tools into their service delivery models and their service support. Um, you know, technology isn't, it's not coming, it's its not the future, it's the here and now. I mean, I was wondering how long it would take somebody in this conversation to bring up AI, um, and it took about 3.5 minutes. Um, our technology is getting smaller, it's getting smarter, it's getting more focused on, you know, that user-centric design and approach increasingly, you know, even since we've been in, in this, this market, in this field, the technology and the, 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 the similarities in the technology that we have um, is, is increasing every day. And another interesting aspect is, as well is it's being seen increasingly as a tool for, and David mentioned this earlier, for accessibility um, organizations, supports, you know, municipalities. They're all, they all have these targets of these accessibility and accessible workplaces um, and really looking at technology as a tool to support that as well. So um, yeah, that's, that's it's, it's and, and AI is incredible. I, and I'm gonna, David, you may mention this, but I, I understand that you were on a panel the other day and uh, one of the guests was actually an, an AI representative. So I, I think it's, it's definitely here to stay and uh, yeah. And so, Kim, you know, when you talk about this and, and David, thank you for for opening up the conversation around the ecosystem as well, because that's really something important to think about. And and you're right. Kevin Costner is more than most definitely to blame for the if you build it, they will come. Um, but when you know, when you think about the state of development now, what what are some of the most exciting developments in in AT um, that that you're all aware of you know Kim I'll I'll start with you um, can you talk about some examples anything that you want to mention yeah and I think and, and Chad touched upon this earlier as well I and and COVID shifted a lot of things but I think what's really interesting is that people and, and professionals and are realizing now that you can have support, you can you can have you know person centric professional support without actually a person being beside you. Um, you can have a job coach, you know, guiding you through things that's through the touch of a button on your smartphone, um, and you can access you know professional support with a touch of a button as well. So it's it's not um, it's not taking away that human approach. It's 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 giving people the tools to do things differently, to have, you know, not have a, you know, a job coach beside you, but still having a job coach support you and direct you, but more discreetly and, and you know, at the touch of a button or right there accessible to you. And I think when you talk about exciting 
things that are that are happening as well. I was speaking with a client the other day um, who's dyslexic and he's a coder. And he said to me, you know, prior to using um, artificial intelligence, coding was a real challenge for him because he, he couldn't see where in his code the errors were. Now he's able to take his code, drop it into, I'm going to say it, chat GPT, and it corrects that code for him in, you know, two seconds. And he's confidently creating websites now as a result of using this. So I, I think, you know, I understand there, there's two sides to the AI conversation. That's a whole new podcast or 10. Um, but I think, you know, there is so much positive. There's so many positive things that it is that it's helping with it. And, and I'm hearing a lot of that as well. And Chad, what about you? What What's an exciting uh, development that you're aware of? Uh well, that I'm aware of is this amazing product called VJob Ready. Uh, don't know if you, it's it's our product. If people if people yeah. listening don't know here at Career Services, so uh, we're using assistive technology to um, a, a little different spin on it. You know, we think of it as something that once you're working, that's what you're you're going to use. So once you've you know you've obtained this job, but we're training people using assisted technology and devices before they even go to employer, before they even go to workplace using virtual technology. So currently we have a, uh, a careers cafe, we call it, which is similar to like your Tim Hortons here in Canada. Uh, and people can train and learn all the ins and outs of working in that environment before we even go to employer with them, before resumes submit it and all those things. Um, and that's that device is is helping people with confidence in the workplace, you know, finding where, uh, you know, the difficulties might be with their disability and what they're doing. So it's all about um, for us, it's all about preparing and using assisted devices to prepare people to move them forward. I'd, uh, I mean, I, I think I'd uh, add to that a little bit. Um, I think in the short term, there's there's two big trends that I think are really interesting. The first is the growth of wearable technology. Uh, and wearable technology just moves us further in this direction towards uh, having uh, pervasive assistive technologies, technology that follows us regardless of where we are and when we want it. And that really started with our mobile phones, but wearables makes that even further. It's pretty hard to forget to, uh, what you've got, your, 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 your control device is strapped to your wrist. Um, the second one, though, I think is, is probably a little bit further down the line again, um, which is smart homes. Now, smart home technology and its growth of sensors um, really means that we can establish control over the environment, whether it's the workplace, home, uh, wherever it happens to be, using a range of different approaches. And of course, the most important one for many, many people now is use of their voice. Um, so being able to control your environment with your voice for people with physical disabilities makes it much easier uh, to open doors, turn off lights, and so on uh, in the office um, or at home. Now, where this gets really interesting is when you add artificial intelligence to the picture. And one of the things that AI lets us do is predict and anticipate. So if we know patterns of things that people do in the office, uh, home, then AI is very good at recognizing those patterns and then anticipating your needs. Um, so it can do some of the things that you've had to do manually and perhaps had to struggle with um, for you at the time you want to do them. Um, so I think, yeah, when you, one of the really big things in terms of the changes that are taking place is how all these things link together. So we link together this idea of wearables, 
the internet of things with sensors with ai that takes us down a direction of things like autonomous vehicles as we put all of those elements together into mobility and now we can get about without needing a driver or so on regardless of our disability so i think if you know we're talking about what's the most important thing it's not any one thing but it's the imagination to link all of these new technologies together to create something really quite significant so much is happening and it's all so interrelated and things are happening quickly. And you sort of touched on something earlier that I want to explore a little bit more. You know, with all of this technological advance happening, how much is the development of AT sort of outpacing disability inclusion itself? Because it, it seems like, as, as David said earlier, there's so much available to help people who have a disability and yet still too often, you know, the whole disability inclusion part of the conversation about diversity, equity, and inclusion gets left out of the conversation and, and awareness is still catching up. So how do we deal with this imbalance and, and adjust, the, adjust, the, adjust the pace here? I, I do think sometimes that disability gets a little bit lost in DEI, DEI initiatives um, because it, it is about actually having to reorganize and reshape the world a little bit uh, into in, to be inclusive. You know, accessible design is not simply an attitude. It's not actually uh, simply uh, a policy. Uh, accessible uh, buildings need to have ramps. It's not we can look at the policy around our stairs, but unless actually somebody actually build, puts a ramp in, it makes no difference. So I think disability is a little bit different. And that, I think, links up with what you're saying. If we, we constantly think about this purely as uh, an issue of attitudes and policy, then we won't take the actions to use the assistive technology, to use the accessible technology that is available to us. So we're, we're faced with this, I think, quite interesting situation where, yes, the policy, the attitudes are, of course, incredibly important, but we have to go a step further in terms of disability and AT, which is to implement change to implement practical change in terms of the availability and the provision of the accommodations the support the framework the scaffolding with which a person can succeed yeah i think you know david you you covered it you, you, there's not a lot to add to that but i think it's it's again technology is is moving at one's pace so it's moving quickly it changes daily um and i think it depends on the 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 region that you go to, it depends on the organizations that you're looking at, it depends on the size of the organizations or um, and the pace that they're keeping up with it. So I, I don't think there's a lot to add to, to what David said, but I think there's a lot of work to be done to continue to, to advocate that change in policy and the inclusion of, of disability in the DE&I initiatives and make it a priority and then and continuing to do that. There's a lot of work being done. Again, you'll see it more significantly in, in cities as opposed to rural um, areas. Um, but I think continuing to, to focus on that, that, that change and that, that policy and, and uh, making that the priority and then building in the education around the technology because that's going at one pace, you know, um, simultaneously around the globe. Yeah, and I'll just add that technology isn't a Band-Aid to inclusion um, and diversity. It's not the answer, like, you know, tying it back to, to V job ready. Cause that's the, the world I'm in 
is, uh, you know, we do all this training to help move a person forward, but still proper training is needed on job. You know, your traditional on job with a supervisor training is, is still needed. So um, technology isn't just, yeah, like I said, the bandaid to, to put over anything that that um, inclusion is still is still needed across the board. I love the way you use the, the Band-Aid analogy there because it kind of leads me to the, to the next question I want to explore. In all your experiences, do businesses, do they proactively like have a plan for implementing and using assistive technology or is it is it still an afterthought or adopted on a case-by-case basis depending on whether someone's asked for an, a, an accommodation? What do you think? What do you see? I talk to employers every day and no, that is the quick, short answer. I don't think there's any plan. I think, um, you know, as a, as a job developer, as an organization that does this, we're expected to bring them the plan for the individual. I don't think there's any, I haven't seen anybody or any organization being business, being proactive in that they're expecting Agencies like us, nonprofits like Career Services, agencies like Distinctability, to bring that that plan to them um, and have it individualized for the person. Yeah, and I would completely agree with what Chad said. Um, when I when I thought about this question and I, I looked at employers that I know have a built-in assistive technology department, they are large, and there's one that comes to mind. I think you know. Employers want to support their 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 folks with disabilities, but again, it is down to the support organizations to to bring that to them. So that's something that we've very much focused on here at Distinctability is going out and training those organizations and making them aware of technology supports that are out there. Not so they they buy them or have to integrate them, but that there's a knowledge of them so that they can bring this information to employers. Um, and I think increasingly employers will you know employers of choice will will want to be aware of these so that not only is is somebody a new employee or an existing employee coming and, and feeling comfortable that their needs are going to be accommodated so they can you know work at their best selves but the employers having an, an open an open book policy saying these are the tools that that we have that we're aware of and what can we you know what what can, tools can we give you so you you perform your job at the best but I can tell you from experience um, last year we uh, we had a funding to provide employers with free technology tools and we had many that were interested and uh, but it wasn't a priority with staffing shortages and and you know it, it they're interested it's something of focus but it, it's not high up on the priority scale at this time. I think, I think you have to start um, really not with assistive technology, but what's the law in terms of employment of people with disabilities? Um, so if we start from a, from a legal perspective and then say, okay, if there's a, if there's a legal requirement uh, to accommodate, what's your accommodations policy? Because you've got to have a way of doing that. If that's your legal obligation, there's got to be a policy in there. There's got to be a, a process. That takes us into the assistive te- te- technology and the support um, quite naturally. But I think there's, a, there's an extra element to that, which I think companies find quite difficult, um, which is they'll start off with saying, but no, not only disabled people. We don't really need a policy. Um, you know, if one turns up, we'll have a think about it. And, that gets, and that, that, that's a broken system because it doesn't anticipate needs. 
And I, I've been working with some companies recently on and really just talking through this concept of anticipation that actually in many cases, your responsibility is to anticipate that you would need to make accommodations in the future. So it's no good saying, okay, we need to make, we're going to ignore it and wait for somebody and then say, well, okay, yeah, we're a travel agency and actually the software which you book all the tickets for people with doesn't work with screen readers. Um, and you know, we only bought it two years ago, but it, it doesn't work with screen readers. So, because we didn't have any blind people, why would we need one that worked with screen readers? Which means we can't give you a job, which means we're subject to litigation because we just discriminated against you by not considering it in the past. So these are important points. Anticipation of needs and your responsibility of it as an employer. But I would really highlight the challenge faced by small and medium-sized businesses. Um, they need a lot of support and help to grapple with some of these issues, particularly in the procurement of the things they use. If you know, the, the, reg, the systems that people use with small businesses aren't accessible, it's really, really difficult for them to uh, spend a lot more money to buy an accessible system. And actually, they're still probably just about trying to keep, a, keep ahead of the game and keep afloat as a business. And, you know, David, that sort of leads to the, uh, a question, I think, that we'll be able to unpack this a little bit more because it sounds like what everybody is talking about is mindset as well in 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 the answers you were just giving us you know chad you he talked about in your experience with some of the businesses you've been around you haven't seen like a, a prioritized plan you haven't seen something like a policy that's in place whereas kim you know you you talked about you know getting this experience that it's not necessarily a a priority for businesses. In other words, you know, you had funding to provide this technology and, and there still wasn't this, you know, you open the store and nobody drove. So Kevin Costner was wrong. You know, you, <laughs> Kevin yeah. was wrong. He built it and people still didn't come, but just that, you know, that, and then you referenced sort of something that David just touched on. You referenced that, you know, of one very large business that actually has an AT department and, but they were very large. Whereas, you know, David, you're, you're talking about the support that's required for the small to medium businesses and getting them to understand um, being able to provide them with the support to bring in this supportive technology and, and also looking at this from a legal standpoint and where the, where things start to touch on accommodation versus assistive technology. And that then, you know, leads to all the other comments that you've been making about assistive versus accessible tech. So for, for businesses and for their employees, how important is this mindset when it comes to the implementation or even just adoption of, of accessible technology? Like what, what are the differences in the AT experiences going to be when you're looking at it as something you're doing as a workplace accommodation or adjustment for somebody versus something that's going to help everyone succeed? I, I just think that employers, businesses should really realize that these devices could help everybody, all your existing employees. More often than not, that's what we see in our in our job, one example I had is 
Um, we had a, uh, a boarding school where we got an individual, a job, uh, cleaning in the janitorial department for this huge, huge boarding s- school. Uh, and this person needed some devices, which we were, we were happy to, um, you know, work with the employer. Uh, but these devices ended up being implemented across the board for all their other staff because it was, um, it was a uh, something that was lacking in 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 that department. So um, we just see see that like many times as we're doing this, the AT, the um, devices, like whatever you want to call them, just naturally fit for everyone there. They might have started as an accommodation um, for one person, but more often than not, it can really benefit a business as a whole. Yeah, and I think if you know if, if we or I put myself in the shoes of, of being the employee, um, and I'll, you know there's a there's a so support or so a labor shortage everywhere. So you want to be an employer of choice. So as as an employee going into a, an organization, whether I have a disability or otherwise, or there's a, there, I you know you don't, but there's other tools that will help you work. If you know that that employer is openly offering and and sharing that they have access and they're happy to provide these tools and these assistive supportive technologies to help you do your job better and it's not an uncomfortable conversation i and i think those would be the kind of employers that were also sharing your disability up front wouldn't be so it, it's you know it's it's a it's open it's it's out there it's rather than hiding a disability and and not and feeling uncomfortable asking for something i think employers being forthcoming that they have these type of tools or they know where to go to get them um, as kind of a catalog I picture it as um, I know as an employee or or you know a family member with a disability going into place that's where I would want to see them go is somewhere that has that openness and if you're a small business looking at it from the other side if you're a small business that doesn't have you know the the resources or the you know the 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 human resources as well to access it or have that department built in like outsource like any other role that you would outsource and and find those professionals out there that can support that and and provide some professional development for your hr teams or for your teams to be able to proactively offer these tools and have them available to employees i i really want to that i think what kim's saying is really good but um, i think i want to just bring in the concept of escalation so, okay, let's, let's take it that you're working with somebody who has dyslexia. And we're, we're trying to work out how can we best support reading and writing for somebody. So we can start with the, the technologies that actually, if you've got Microsoft Office, you've got it built into mm-hmm. your technology already. You've got editor. That will help you with spelling, grammar, speak out loud, it'll help you reading and writing. If your company's bought Office 365, we've already bought that for you. And that's available to every employee. Absolutely right. And then you've got a second tier, which is a third-party product, something like Grammarly. Now, Grammarly is a great product for anybody who has to do a lot of writing. They use it every single day. And it's got added features to Microsoft's editor that support people with reading and writing difficulties, and particularly those with dyslexia. But sometimes even that's not enough. And the third tier... And we can make that, we can get enterprise accounts for something like Grammarly and make it available to every employee if we want to. The third tier then says, actually, that's not enough. Well, that's worked for 95% of our staff, but 5% were still struggling. And that's where we get into an assistive technology. 
we go and look for a technology that's specifically designed around the needs of people with dyslexia to address those barriers they experience that those other products aren't sufficient for. So that model of escalation for an employer should always start with, you know what? You've already bought a bunch of stuff. Do you think you should use it? You pay for it. Let's make sure your employees know about it. Everything else, once we've started down that route, then we can escalate with the specific means that might come up later. So is that one of the keys to sort of successfully implementing or adopting, uh, adopting AT throughout an organization is just that realizing that there are certain products you've invested in where stuff is is built in? I mean, what do you think are the you know one, two, or three crucial things for successfully implementing enterprise-wide AT? I think knowing what you've already got is really important. Um, what's built into the operating system, what's built into productivity tools that you use. So the fact that, you know, both Microsoft Office and Google Docs, they've both got voice dictation built in. So if somebody's struggling with typing, there is a free tool there that lets them dictate. Now, that's really good for anybody with a physical disability. It can be really good for somebody with dyslexia. But you know what? It's really good for people like me who are getting old and sometimes our joints and our hands start to hurt a bit after we've been typing all day. So we switch. We mix and match. So I think you know, one of the things that I would really stress is the need to promote awareness of what small, medium, and large companies have already got. Because once they know what they've got, then they can start to see the gap and what's the next steps. Yeah, and, and I think that's a great point. And I, I think from from our experiences here is having the the buy-in from from management and from leadership teams and 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 integrating this into the professional development of those of your employees, but supporting that um along the way. And I'll I'll just lend an example to that when I'm saying um we had an organization uh purchaser of technology brain in hand. Um, the, the management leadership team were on board and purchasing it. And when they did it, they, they stepped away and they left, you know, ourselves training directly the frontline staff who were wonderful, but the leadership team didn't get involved. They didn't tie it into their service delivery model. They, they didn't build it into the services and the employment supports that they were delivering. So it, it kind of fell flat without that complete organizational, no matter what the size is. Um, all being committed and dedicated to integrating whatever tools that you have. So I think, as David mentioned there, you know, start with what you already have and 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 start training people and 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 tying that in in your strategic planning or your professional development planning. Um, and then anything that you do bring in from a third party, it really does need to have that that leadership buy-in and that you know ties into your service delivery models to be successful. Yeah, I think they both said it uh, great, you know, that acceptance side of it. And and like Kim said, the buy-in, the the employer buy-in has, has to be there. Um, and just the realization that it's only going to make your business better. It's only going to help bottom line move your business forward. 
Yeah, and I think, again, it's like any change, any change management, right? That's how you have to look at in, in integrating technology into, you know, your for your employees or for your work, anything that you do. It's going to be a little bit awkward. It's going to be a little bit of a make-work project to begin with. But once you get it, it's like any tool that we've all used and learned. Once you get it, it's you, you don't know how you could probably live without it. And so on that note, you know, you've talked about and and the way I think David broke this down into sort of these tiered levels and, uh, you know, so know what you've already got and use it. Um, I was at a, a conference a little while ago in Europe and they were talking about smartphone technology and the accessible functions on smartphones and the fact that there's well over a hundred that are built into your standard smartphone. And, you know, it was, it was sort of a, a an icebreaker in the room to try and see if, who could name the most and I don't think anybody got over 19 or 20 that was that was on there so that whole point about know what you've already got in place and then you know then that add-on about getting the, when you talk about third-party products you're bringing in having the you know the importance of leadership in that and and to to push forward the adoption and then you know to Chad's point about yeah really what you're talking about is that acceptance and that buy-in and making it a, a priority so you know outside of those things when you're thinking about this podcast airing what else do you think would be a most because to me those are very important messages so what other important message about assistive technology do you want to share for a business person or um, an, an employer or an employee who are really anybody for that matter who's listening to this conversation right now? What's what's the one thing you want them to take away from this? Chad? Yeah, sure. I, uh, you know, a lot of the times when, when we're working with a client, they sometimes are a little apprehensive about going into a workplace if it's a visible assisted device, like something that everyone can see. They don't want to be seen as different. Um, so again, it kind of goes back to that ex acceptance that um, this advice very well could help everyone in, in your workplace. Um, so it's understanding that for the the job seeker, the employee, um, and then the um, for, for the employer, it's that that lasting impact. It's that, you know, a simple device or, you know, even if it's something a little more elaborate, uh, it could very well potentially give you uh, an employee that's long lasting, um, that, that's motivated, reliable, dependable, all those things. So um, the devices can help everyone and it's, and it's something that can really move a business forward. I'd really want to help people get over the uh, fear of the cost accommodations. Um, because many, many of the accommodations that uh, that we want to make uh, have ne negligible added cost. The cost of services to select them is often far outweighs the cost of the actual uh, technology we're going to put in place. Um, so with that in mind, I think trying to create a space where people can begin to self-identify the solutions that they need um, many of the solutions, for instance, for a mobile phone cost less than a pound, euro, or dollar. So letting people self-identify, try things out, 
and keep the one that they want is a really good model. I'll give you an example. Um, handheld magnifiers for people with low vision. They're probably going to cost you two, $300 if you buy a dedicated device. But if you've got a smartphone, then there's probably an app that replicates many of the features and functions for free. So we need to make sure that we're pointing people towards the 99 cent solution, not the $300 solution as the starting point and to see if that is enough. And that will help get employers past this block of thinking this is going to cost me a lot of money and I'm not sure if I've got that money. Um, so I think that would be one of the things that I'd really want to promote is that the cost of accommodation maybe much less than you think. Yeah, and, and I, I say uh, do your research. There's there's a lot out there. Um, I, uh, I think it's important for employers, for organizations, not just to take the, the, the word of, uh, you know, one or two sources, but I think to understand what users, previous users are saying about how the technology works for them. Does it actually do what it says it does on the box? Is there evidence to support that is really important. Um, and I just to, to you know, uh, enhance what David said, I think it's putting people at the center of it. It's, it's really designing that, that and putting that person-centric approach um, for and allowing that person to speak up for what's going to work for them and not looking at conditions or labels or what's your disability, but what's your area of support need and how do we address that and what tool is there to address that? Um, and I think that's that's what I'll say in final closing is technology is just a tool. Assistive technology is just a tool. Um, and like all tools, they're complicated to learn or not sometimes, but um, there are resources and, and, and education out there available to help make uh, it a lot less daunting and a lot more accessible for, for more organizations, employers, and for people. And and. and you know, we mentioned rather, I think it was at three minutes 45, Kim told us, we mentioned AI. <laughs> uh, and, and AI can be really helpful in this, asking things like ChatGPT or similar questions like, um, what are the most used technologies for people with low vision? And it gives you a list. Now, that may not be the whole answer. It may not be everything you need to know. But it again gives you some information and you can make some informed decision making. But do I try some of these out or do I need to let, escalate this to an employment advisor, uh, you know, both Chad and, and Kim, um, who, who can support? So, again, it's just going back to this concept of escalation. And in this case, escalating in terms of making choices. Let's use the technology that's available to us to provide us with information. And there's a great tool available online called atvisor.ai, which helps you set up a profile and then says, okay, tell me about the technologies that help people like me. There's the database, gary.info, which is a huge database of all the accessibility features in mobile phones. You can search for your needs and find out what's there. We use those tools first, and then we can say, okay, I've got all this, I've got this information from these sources. I just need a little bit of help now in making a final decision. Or I don't need some help. It costs so little, I'm just going to try them all. For ten dollars, I've tried six different things. Uh, that sounds like pretty good value for money to me. So many great insights from all of you, but I have to ask. We've covered so much. I, I have to ask my traditional last question. You know, it's been a great conversation. 
Have we covered all the essentials? Is there anything we haven't talked about that you think is important to mention bef before we wrap things up here on this episode? I, I think I, I would just, just say that I think one of the things that can be problematic when we think about how we're going to re address some of these issues is that we tend to see things a little bit in silos. Disability doesn't care whether you're at work, at home, or uh, going out for a drink or something to eat. You still have your disability regardless of what you're taking where you are at the time and what you're trying to do. The technology pervades. Again, a screen reader doesn't care if you're trying to read um, the latest Stephen King book uh, or you're trying to read um, something for your PhD thesis. It doesn't really care. It will just try and read it back to you. Now, when we understand that technologies pervade, we begin to see how added value that if, we, if we're using assistive technology for one setting, such as the workplace, that has added value in other settings. So I think when we start to think about what do we provide and how do we provide it, we need to remember that people and technology don't compartmentalize very easily. And added value is a huge thing to consider in terms of quality of life as well as quality of employment. I think um, it's quite simple. I think knowledge is power. I think by people... Um, you know, familiarizing themselves and, and reading articles and listening to podcasts such as this to become more familiar with what's out there. And, and it makes it a little less daunting and a little less frightening and, and again, more accessible um, for fun. If you, you know, uh, and if you want to look at the light side of technology, if you watch Jimmy Fallon, watch Showbotics, and he, he actually features um, an AI, a guest on there and, and, and bring some humor into it as well. But I think, and that's kind of, I, I'm not high tech. I went to school for marketing. I became interested in technology over the years because I saw what it was doing and the positive that it was doing in the world. And I, I just think, so for myself speaking for how, you know, I'm sitting on this panel today, it's just embrace and, and, you know, surrounding myself with knowledge about it, learning more about it, understanding what's out there, seeing the impact that it's doing or that it's having, sorry, on, on people and on businesses and, and just making yourself informed about what what's going on out there in the world of technology. And I think that that that's like anything else, knowledge is, is power. And, and I would say lots of the devices that we use every day in work started as assisted devices you know many of the the things we use the talk to text on your phone is probably a big one you know that was meant as an assisted device um and it's now something i use every day so a lot of these things um are just going to become the norm if they're not already well you know i'm gonna i'm gonna say that this this has been a really really interesting conversation and uh you know the the concept kim that you just talked about around or, or the saying you use knowledge is power i feel like that's what all of you have really been talking about here is is educating yourself and becoming aware and give yourself the space to play in this area to explore it it doesn't have to be scary as david's saying it doesn't have to be you know thousands of pounds or euros or dollars in investment it can be a 99 cent investment try and also think about what you've already got and how you're you're using it and you know i 
I like to think as well about what you've said about where we've where we've come and potentially where we're going. Um, and I think Kim is familiar with this story, but uh, you know, not a million years ago, but pretty close to that. I, I used to be a job coach, and I was supporting uh, somebody through a supported employment program, and they had a, a custodial job in a major underground path system in the city of Toronto, which if anybody who's listening has ever gone to, you know, it's very easy to get lost in there. And uh, there were already all of these things built in around wayfinding and signs and maps and all those things. However, this wasn't something that was of use for that person. Um, but following some sort of map could work. And so we took that got the permission of that that very large company to take those little colored dots that used to be used in file on filing uh, file folders. So again, this is how long ago this was. <laughs> and we mapped out this person's route using these tiny dots. And they were able to navigate easily and freely throughout, knew exactly what route they were doing. All of the other people who were working there that were being onboarded were taught with that system. And for years, even when I was down there, I would just glance down and be able to see these tiny colored dots to help me even navigate if I was rushing through there to get to a meeting. Because all we had to do was place it just higher than where the floor cleaner went along the side of the wall. And it was something as simple as that. And thinking about now what, what that company would be doing to adopt this new form of technology is so, so exciting. And, and there's so many things to think about around the wearable technologies and the smart homes and all of these things and how they're going to impact our lives at home, at play, at work. And so I think, you know, hopefully our listeners have just gained a whole new understanding as well about assistive technology and what it is. So David and Kim and Chad, thank you so much for sharing your expertise and your insights with us and with our listeners. Thanks so I'm, much. I'm gonna... Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. One final thing. Um, whilst you were talking, I went into chat GPT and I said, um, write me a haiku about the experience of disability. And this is what it came up with. In silent struggle, Blossoms resiliences bloom, strength, unfettered soul. Discuss. Wow, wow. that is Ow. that is deep. That's the only uh, way I know. I think to it described that much deeper than me. Let me be really clear. <laughs> it sounds way better, David, with your accent than if I said that too. But it is very well. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I, I just just try to everything we said is be imaginative be creative, try and think of new ways of using the technology that's available to you, because you might find something completely unexpected and unanticipated that has benefits. Um, and I think possibly imagination and creativity are the next big barriers in taking these issues forward. Hmm. If I can just add to that something I did with it the other day, um, as you may have caught in the beginning, I, I live in Nova Scotia and we've had some significant wildfires lately. And I thought, I was thinking last week, what can I do? What can I do to help? And so I got, I sat down, I asked ChatGPT to write me a children's book and incorporate trees that were characters from trees from Nova Scotia 
and write a children's book about the, you know, the importance of nature, the dangers of forest fires, and to help a community recover following a forest fire. Well, within 30 seconds, I had a fully written children's book that I'm now looking at getting illustrated and then selling to donate the proceeds to charity, not claiming that I wrote the book, but that is how something that we've thought about, you know, or we've tried using it for, for some good. So it can do that many, yeah, it can do stuff like that as well. Wow, I mean, so so much that we you know that we're all relying on and and and, and experimenting and exploring today. And I would like to thank all of you as well. And you know, for me, it's what you all said about the mindset towards you know assistive technology and the need to you know be wanting to continually learn and build your knowledge and keep increasing awareness. That's what really kind of sticks in my mind because. I guess we just need to keep doing things like this and, and broadening the awareness about AT so that more people associate it with technology that ultimately helps all of us, everyone. I'm thinking back to our last episode. Uh, we did one on web accessibility and one of our guests pointed out that, you know, things like GPS and the telephone, I mean, heck, I mean, how many of us rely on our GPS and our smartphones today, right? Well, I mean, we've all got those to rely on because they evolved out of a technological intervention to help people who have a disability. And, you know, by the way, if you haven't listened to that episode on web accessibility yet, be sure to catch that conversation. And there's lots of great insights from the three guests, just like this episode. So we hope you found the show on assistive technology helpful because that's it for this episode of You Can't Spell Inclusion Without a D. Coming next month, we've got another insight-packed conversation on the state of disability inclusion in business in Canada, past, present, and future. So we hope that you'll join us for that one. I'm Jeanette Campbell. And I'm Dean Askin. Thanks again for listening, wherever, whenever, and on whatever podcast app you're listening from. Join us each episode as we have insightful conversations like this technological one that explore disability inclusion in business and in our communities from all the angles. You Can't Spell Inclusion Without a D is produced in Toronto, Canada by the Ontario Disability Employment Network. All rights reserved. Our podcast production team, executive producer and host, Jeanette Campbell. Producer, Sue Defoe. Associate producer and host, Dean Askin. Audio editing and production by Dean Askin. Our podcast theme is Last Summer by Ixon. If you have feedback or comments about an episode, contact us at info at odinnetwork.com. That's info at O-D-E-N-E-T-W-O-R-K.com. Join us each episode for insights from expert guests as we explore the power of inclusion, the business benefits of inclusive hiring, and why disability is an important part of the diversity, equity, and inclusion conversation. Listen to You Can't Spell Inclusion Without a D on Podbean or wherever you find your favorite podcasts.